We've got a new podcast, ladies and gents. It has been some time, but this is Darren Heitner. We're back. How to Play the Game podcast. And look, we've got a special edition. Today, we had representatives, two representatives in the U.S. House. Bipartisan, Mr. Anthony Gonzalez and Mr. Cleaver. It is Representative Emmanuel Cleaver from Missouri, Democrat, Anthony Gonzalez from Ohio. They came out with a brand new piece of legislation. And the brand new piece of legislation is something near and dear to my heart. It is, of course, college athletes, name, image, and likeness. And for any of you who are listening, it's your first time. You may not know, but if you've listened before and if you know who I am, you know that it's an issue that I have been focused on for a long time. And in fact, I was very much involved in the state of Florida, which currently is the first state that will allow college athletes to commercially exploit their names, images, and likenesses July 1, 2021. Here we sit on September 24, 2020, and five states, including Florida, have passed their own pieces of legislation in that regard to give college athletes these rights. Again, Florida first, although Nebraska is out there, it allows any college in the state to basically turn this right on and allow college athletes to start exploiting their publicity rights, but none have thus far. So right now, Florida in the lead. But what we have today is a new piece of legislation proposed by these two representatives, and it's called the Student Athlete Level Playing Field Act. Now, I don't love the use of student athlete, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Would I prefer to say college athlete? Sure, but I'll live with it. Acronym is going to be a little weird. I guess it's SALPFA. But Student Athlete Level Playing Field Act. And I got to say, right off the bat, it is the best federal proposal I have seen thus far. Now, it's not without its flaws. It's an 11, no, no, 13-page bill that is a House resolution, again, bipartisan support, which I think is really important. And certainly, and expectedly, it seeks to preempt states. So... Florida and the four other states that have already passed legislation, signed it into law by the respective governors, have enactment dates, those would essentially be void. And the 15, 20 plus other states that are thinking about similar legislation, this would preempt it if it's passed and signed into law on the federal level. That's fine. So what we have here sticks to name, image, and likeness, unlike some other proposals out there, which I think go too far, and doesn't cave in too much to the NCAA, where the NCAA is asking for this antitrust exemption, so it can avoid lawsuits. And that's not what this says. And it does a really good job. It actually thinks outside of the box a little bit. So let me jump in. First of all, clear as day, prohibition. Subject to certain exceptions, which I'll talk about in a second, a covered athletic organization, NCAA, or institution of higher education, think college, may not prohibit a student athlete from participating in intercollegiate athletics because such student athlete enters into an endorsement contract or an agency contract. Boom. Athletes will be able to use their name, image, and likeness and receive compensation, again, subject to certain restrictions. And they will be able to hire agents, which are, is necessary so that they have the proper representation in these deals. Now, 
the exceptions, and they'll probably be expanded from here. But number one, no tobacco companies. Athletes cannot endorse tobacco companies, which include vaping device companies and e-cigarette related companies. Two, no alcohol companies or brands. Get that. Three, no sellers or distributors of controlled substances. And that includes marijuana. Four, no endorsing adult entertainment businesses. And five, no endorsing casinos or entities that sponsor or promote gaming activities. Now, I think one through four is self-explanatory. I think that there needs to be guidance on number five, any casino or entities that sponsor or promote gambling activities. Now, one, I get it. You want to preserve the integrity of the games and there's an issue with athletes promoting casinos or gambling, straight gambling activities. But at the same time, we're seeing, we're starting to see colleges, athletic departments enter into their own deals with pure sports betting related companies. Now, how do you say on one hand, that's okay, but it's not okay for college athletes to promote those same entities. So I think if you're going to go down this route of prohibiting college athletes to endorse these types of operators, okay, again, I think that can be justified, but I think you also then need to be equitable. You need to make sure that colleges also can't enter into these types of deals because I don't think you can argue effectively that the integrity of the game is diminished if an athlete enters into one of these deals, but it's not in any way if the college does. Now, furthermore, I don't really know what is an entity that sponsors or promotes gambling activities. So think of like a FanDuel or a DraftKings. Yeah, they have sports books. So I get it that an athlete would not be able to promote the DraftKings sports book, but would an athlete have the ability to endorse a daily fantasy game that's promoted by DraftKings? Obviously, we've made a distinction on the federal level even between what is betting and what is fantasy. You have the unlawful uh, internet enforcement. Uh, I'm, I'm losing my mind. UIGEA, the acronym that governs fantasy sports. Uh, you have the uh, PASPA, which was in effect for many years, that prohibited sports betting across the states, but grandfathered in Nevada. That's gone now. But the federal government has distinguished between fantasy sports and gambling. Will that be true here? It's not clear. And there isn't any reference specifically to fantasy. So hopefully that gets fleshed out. So afterwards, permissible prohibitions. A student athlete may also be prohibited from wearing any item of clothing or gear with the insignia of any entity during any athletic competition or university sponsored event. Basically, if the school has a deal with a third party and by and large, let's say apparel and shoe deals, well then an athlete can't wear uh, anything that is a competitor's product on the field or at a sponsored event. Again, that makes sense. You don't want to put these schools in positions where they're breaching their contracts. But I think what's really nice with this proposal that we don't haven't really seen elsewhere is there's no prohibition on an athlete 
entering into an endorsement deal with a competitor of a university or athletic department sponsor, that athlete can endorse product or services of a brand that is technically a competitor of a school or athletic department relationship. And that's fine as long as, again, it doesn't create a situation where there's a breach. You don't want there to be litigation arising from this. But I love that. I love giving these athletes that right to enter into what can still be a very lucrative deal. I was asked on Twitter, you know, Zion at Duke, he's there for a year. What could have he gotten out of it? Well, a lot. Think about it. Yeah, he had to wear Duke's partner's brand on the court. But off the court, with everything that he had with social media, between what he could do to endorse a competitor brand or what that competitor brand would gain by being able to use his name, image, and likeness, if I was his agent, I spend my time as a lawyer looking over, drafting, negotiating the contracts, not really procuring. But if I'm an agent, I could probably get him a really big deal. So, yeah, I think that's huge. Now, one thing I don't love about this bill is it talks about putting the power into the Federal Trade Commission's hands. And for any of you that know about the FTC and its regulation of the sports agent industry, it's been regulating that industry for about 20 years through a federal act that's abbreviated SPARTA. And it's never, ever once utilized it. It's never enforced the act. So I see a lot of proposals putting the onus on the FTC to regulate. And I wonder whether the FTC has even been confronted about this, whether anyone's received the FTC's blessing. I don't have faith in the FTC to really govern this. I don't know if it has the capacity, if it has the resources, and certainly it doesn't have a history of showing that it's done anything with the sports agency industry. So now we're adding on an additional large burden. And I don't know that that's necessarily right. I wrote an article in Harvard's Journal for Sports and, and Entertainment Law, and I suggested, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge proponent of adding to government, but here I, I think that it may be a good idea to add a department that specifically focuses on sport. It can be nimble, uh, but, but, but a group that actually appreciates and understands the industry and has the tenacity and, and effectiveness in enforcing these rules. And again, I'm just, I'm not sure the FTC is the right uh, the governing body, but that is what is proposed currently and perhaps that changes. Um, one thing that I, I really do like is this legislation talks about establishing a brand new commission called the Covered Athletic Organization Commission. And the purpose will be to make recommendations to Congress uh, and the NCAA about implementation of NIL, recommend uh, a process to certify and recognize uh, athlete agents. Currently, it's state by state, but we don't really have a national licensing or regulatory board, well, regulatory FTC to an extent, but no licensing. So I think that'll be interesting. Hopefully, it's not left in the powers of the NCAA. Uh, make recommendations for establishment of an independent dispute resolution process for any dispute arising between a student athlete and uh, the NCAA or our university. I like that a lot. And hopefully, um, you know, that's like an arbitration style process where it's quick, confidential, 
and doesn't require a lot of resources being spent. I, I'm a big fan of ADR, alternate uh, dispute resolution. And especially here where you'd like to keep confidences as much as possible. I think that's a, that's a fabulous idea. Uh, and make recommendations for additional categories of endorsement contracts that are accepted. So as I mentioned, tobacco, alcohol, casinos, but uh, there is an intention to expand upon those categories and that'll be left to this commission. And the commission will be made up of 13 members. 12 will be appointed and then those 12 will pick a 13th independently and that 13th person will actually chair the commission. Um, and there will be people from universities, including athletic department directors and coaches, at least two individuals who are either current or former student athletes who advocate for the interest of the athletes, uh, the NCAA, athletic conference administrators. And here's an interesting part, professionals with expertise in sports marketing, contracting and public relations. So, hey, even yours truly could be part of that um, and then individuals with expertise in corporate governance and who are not associated uh, with any university uh, or uh, the NCAA. And so this will be created by uh, th three members will be appointed by the Speaker of the House, three members appointed by the Minority Leader of the House, three members appointed by the Majority Leader of the Senate, and three members appointed by the Minority Leader of the Senate. So it'll be interesting to see if, in fact, this legislation pushes forward and goes into law. Uh, the the appointments uh, and who will make up this commission and how effective they will be, but I, I like the idea uh, in concept. Perhaps it's it won't it doesn't give enough of a voice to the current and former athletes, but um, I think it's a good start. And so we we move down, and, and in fact, what's interesting about this commission it's supposed to stay alive for about three years and then evaporate. It's supposed to terminate 60 days after submitting a final report about three years after this law is enacted. Um, and so, you know, you, you have, again, this legislation that I think is the best that I've seen thus far on the federal level and does not go too far with regard to um, caving into the NCA's demands. In fact, if you go down to Section 7, 7, C says, with the title antitrust laws, nothing in this act or the amendments made by this act shall provide a cause of action pursuant to the Sherman Act. But it also doesn't say that we're now precluding any causes of action under the Sherman Act. And so I think that's really important to not uh, eradicate any ability to bring litigation against the NCAA. Um, I don't think that the NCAA has done anything to deserve such an exemption. Another important point that I think has somewhat been glossed over, perhaps because it's near the end of the proposed legislation, is Section 7A titled Tax Provisions. And it says, nothing in this act or amendments made by this act shall affect the treatment of qualified scholarships under Section 117 of the Internal Revenue Code of 1986. And I think that's important because we've actually heard some people on Capitol Hill claim that all of a sudden, athletes are going to lose their scholarships or be taxed on their scholarships. Well, that's not true. And I'm happy that this legislation, in fact, calls that out. Um, so, you know, and finally, I guess I should point out a section 7D, which somewhat does cave to the NCA. And it says, because I don't think that really Congress needed to put this in here, but it says that student athletes will not be considered employees. Nothing in this act or amendments 
made by this act shall affect the employment status of a student athlete who enters into an endorsement contract with respect to a covered athletic organization or institution of higher education. And, you know, for those of you who have studied this area, you may know that there were athletes at Northwestern University at one point petitioned the National Labor Relations Board uh, to try to unionize. And, and in fact, the, the regional board in Chicago did recognize those athletes as employees. But then when it was appealed to Washington, D.C., to the full board, it was actually punted. Uh, and so currently their athletes are not considered to be employees. But it, it is something that the NCA has to wrestle with. And I just... I wish that here, nestled in the end of the bill, you would not find this provision. Um, and I would argue that it's unnecessary and, and hopefully that it, it could be taken out, uh, perhaps when it's in committees or otherwise. So overall, I give a lot of credit to the, to the representatives who have attached their names to this legislation. I think it's a, it's a wonderful start. And if there's going to be any action on the federal level, I would hope that it's through this and not through the bill that was proposed by Marco Rubio, which seems to be exactly what the NCAA craves, or even what seems to be proposed by uh, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, uh, and some others, which I think just goes too far. It talks about um, guaranteeing scholarships to extend transfer rules, paying players directly above and beyond name, image, and likeness, which again, Theoretically, I don't disagree with, but in practice could become a very, very difficult issue. So again, kudos uh, to Representatives Gonzalez and Cleaver, and I hope that this bill has some legs. We're here at end of September 2020. Obviously, the election's coming up, uh, but before you know it, July 2021 will be here. And if nothing's done on the federal level, Florida's pushing forward. Till next time, hope you enjoyed how to play the game. Take care.